Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Wednesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. The Lakers were waxed by the defending champs at the Crypt on Tuesday night. Uh, it puts the uh, new trade rumors about guys from Orlando and other spots in a different context. Plus, interesting comments from LeBron James and Russell Westbrook after it was all over. We'll get to all of it coming up next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday. And sometimes on weekends, we get this thing up as early as we can for you, no matter how you get your podcasts, where you get your podcasts. And best of all, it's always free. Uh, make another Locked On podcast your second listen of, of every day. And it's Super Bowl week, Andy. How about that Locked On Rams podcast with our buddy Travis Rogers? Good Indeed. Um, also want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is... Uh, also want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Um, so we'll get to try to get to some comments that were made after the game by Frank Vogel and LeBron James and Russell Westbrook. It was certainly an interesting post-game media session for the Lakers after they lose 131 to 116 to the Milwaukee Bucks in a game that quite frankly wasn't that close. Um and uh, some trade rumors percolating. Uh, it was a big day for trades Monday or Tuesday, I should say, in the NBA. And the Lakers are certainly in the middle of a lot of rumors. So we'll get to that because that game, Andy, on Tuesday put a lot of it into context, I think, at least for me. Um, I have a theory, and you can tell me if you agree with it, that like the, the, the thread of hope that the Lakers have is that, you know, if, if AD is dominant, and LeBron is dominant, and you know Russ is kind of in some decent form. Uh, you have two of the, the the best players in the league, and that maybe can carry you through a couple series. I'm wondering if Tuesday night showed some of the potential limitations of of that of that strategy uh, going forward. Well, I mean. Yes and no. I mean, yes, in the sense that the Lakers were clearly outclassed by the Bucs, mm -hmm. and LeBron said as much after the game when asked about whether or not the Lakers could get to the Bucs level this, you know, right now, he said no. And, you know, there was a bit of aggravation in LeBron's answer, and he he clearly felt like he was being set up just to give a quote, you know, the Lake of where they are right now. So I, I think right. there was, was a being, lot of frustration after the game, right? With just like, in, you know, the media is asking the same questions because the Lakers are in the same place. So they're not right. making it's, any progress. So I think, I think there was a bit of intentionality with bluntness more to prove a point of like, the hell are you asking me such an obvious question as opposed to really revealing, you know, right. how he feels. Although he said like, look, I could have told you before the game, we're not at this team's level. Um, and that is no mystery. Where I do think, though, Brian, it throws a real or it's difficult to know how much it throws a wrench in that theory, you know, the working theory of dominant LeBron, dominant AD, is they neither one of them was dominant in this game. Uh -huh. Like th this was not a game where LeBron nor Anthony Davis, who've both been fantastic of late, really even 
they didn't feel like they were having as much of an impact as Bobby Portis, much less uh, Giannis, who was an absolute freaking monster. 44 points, 17 of 20 from the field, 14 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 blocks, and Brian, 0 turnovers. Yep. It, It is an impressive game when you shoot better from the floor than you do from the free throw line. He was 17 of 20. That is insane. But yeah, Yeah. you mentioned guys like Bobby Portis. Look, LeBron's stat line in the end looked fine. 27 points, five rebounds, eight assists. But it was, you know, particularly early um, where the Lakers were uh, dominated. And that's kind of my point. This is one of the things I was getting at. It's like if either one of those guys isn't dominant, they're not going to win. And like, like as, as sort of like my working theory of how they can make it, you know, a little further than maybe than people expect. Um, if you don't get a decent game from, uh, from Russell Westbrook, like you're going to be in trouble. And, you know, Russ, uh, was really bad in the first half. He was getting booed by the home fans in the first quarter. Um, which is something that perhaps we can talk about as the show goes (laughs) on. But like, you know, there was a lot of the same kind of chatter, you know, I was watching a little bit of the post-game show on spectrum and you know, hear a little bit of what you know Frank Vogel saying after the game, and and some of the players, and they were kind of going back to you know we need more energy, more intensity, and this and that, whatever. But like, yeah, yeah, okay, you can always play harder, you can always play with more intensity. Whatever. Milwaukee kicked their ass because they're better, and they were they were running circles around the Lakers offensively and defensively. And, you know, making it like so the Lakers were so damn confused on what they were trying to do defensively that they were giving up open shots in the perimeter. They were giving open shots underneath. They were like all of it. Um, Milwaukee shot about 70 percent in the first half. And I just I don't think this was a care issue for the Lakers. I think they were thoroughly outclassed. Yeah, they, they absolutely were. They gave up 78 points in the first half to Milwaukee. Like to put this in perspective. They scored 56 in the first half, which under normal circumstances would be all right. Playing a pretty good game. And they were shooting, they weren't shooting well from behind the arc, but from the field overall, they actually had a good percentage. Yeah. But they were still down 22 at the half. They turned the ball over 16 times in the game, gave up 25 points. And that was something going on from the first quarter onward. I believe they gave up uh, 10 points in the first quarter off seven turnovers. They were getting absolutely destroyed in the paint. They were giving up a lot of fast break opportunities because they were turning over the ball. And stop me if you've heard this before, they are not particularly good defending in transition. They were not very good, frankly, defending in a half-court set tonight either. They seemed allergic to the concept of even just watching the three-point line in this game. Sometimes they were getting, I think, confused by what Milwaukee was doing, as you alluded to, Brian, sometimes. I think they were just sort of out to lunch with with some obvious things like you know you don't need four guys in the paint on on a drive you might you might want to pay attention to somebody like Pat. It was just there was everyone's like wait a minute I thought you were going out there I thought you were going out there I thought you were going out there and this was also a game where I I agree with you that I don't think the effort waned but it did not take long for their collective confidence to seem like it was just like. God damn, man, these guys are so much better than us. We're going to go out and we're going to play hard because we're in front of our fans and God knows they deserve our best effort this season given what we've you know, offered them so far. But they looked like a team 
that knew they were playing an opponent just three or four levels above them. And I, and I think this is a, you know, because LeBron, when he was asked, you know, can you get to Milwaukee's level? That's sort of functionally like an extension of, of this, of what we saw at the beginning of the game and what you're talking about. And I think it's such a great point that you, that you made about confidence. As you get closer to the end of the season, the more they play games where all three of the big three are available, and continue, if it happens this way, to get stomped by the best teams in the league, the teams that ultimately matter the most. I think there is a concern uh, that I have, certainly, that the the confidence thing is going to uh, become a problem. That it's going to they're going to know what the answer to the question is as they start to get in the playoffs, the belief aspect and all these other things and the, the tricks that you have to do as an athlete to fool yourself into thinking you have a chance. I am worried that they are not going to go through those motions and that the if, if they don't improve relatively quickly going into and coming out of the break, the last 15 games of this season could be catastrophically ugly. Yeah, it, it's funny. After the game, when LeBron and AD were doing their postgame uh press time together, you know, AD throughout, and, you know, this is something he throws out a lot, but it's something athletes in general say, you know, the nobody's going to feel sorry for us. And I was actually thinking like, you know, given how bad it's gotten, I'm honestly not sure that's true. Like it wouldn't, <laughs> it would not shock me if there are some people actually feeling sorry for the Lakers, even though it's the Lakers, even though it's LeBron and, you know, the, the Lakers exceptionalism and people, genuinely this is not uh this is not a cliche teams around the league really do get geared up and have a lot of fun when they beat the lakers they really do get every That's team's true. best shot i mean that that is that is i, not I wonder why teams are wasting their best shot on the lakers right now sure. it's not needed right but <laughs> but it is not a false narrative that teams uh, that the lakers you know throw around and make excuses or whatever but it wouldn't shock me if every now and then some players are on their league were like, God damn, man, kind of feel bad for him. A little bit. <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to watch. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's get to I, I want to make sure we get to the uh the the trade, the the new trade rumors. Uh, Mark Stein in his newsletter had a very interesting uh, couple of nuggets about where the Lakers stand going into Thursday's deadline, and then a couple more things about the gap, shall we say, between the Lakers and the Milwaukee Bucks and other title contenders. Do all that next. Laker fans, you've been hearing me tell you about Prize Picks for months. Have you signed up? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You're going to love this app for NBA and mixed sport pick'em. Like for a limited time, here's a no-brainer offer for all of our users. Users get 50 bucks for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, like one point. That's it. Like bet on LeBron. You got this thing, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. It's an exclusive offer available for locked on fans only who use the code NBA. Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop market on prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator, offers all the superstar players as well as bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. And Prize Picks offers mixed sport entries. Like you could take the over on LeBron points combined with hopefully the over on Matt Stafford completions because like I'm sure a lot of you would like to see the Rams win, but you can do that in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize picks safe. 
They offer fast withdrawals. So go to prizepicks.com today. Use the promo code NBA. Go to the app store. Download the app. If you're not playing prize picks, you honestly have no clue what you're missing. So before we get to some of the, the trade rumors du jour, uh, and it's been a really busy day, like some blockbuster oh, yeah. team uh, trades. Sacco getting all weird out there. I mean, right. Blockbuster <laughs> trades among admittedly terrible teams. Yeah. But still blockbusters nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the Lakers still a, a central part of every rumor. Um, By the it, way, I, I have this prediction. Because, you know, Sacramento made this huge deal with Indiana. They moved Tyrese Halliburton. They moved Buddy Heald. Um, you know, everybody on this team is has been linked to another team. I think when the dust settles, somehow the only king still on the roster is going to end up Marvin Bagley. Like the, <laughs> the one guy who, one guy like who last... desperately wanted out. Oh, <laughs> who's, who's like father has basically been standing outside the King's facility with a sign, free my son. Like, yeah. He's going to be the one guy still there somehow. There's an irony to that. Um, yeah. So it's the, the, the gap here um, is, is interesting. And one of the things that I keep harping on that I think is important to reinforce again uh, on on after Tuesday's game, is that you know the, Trevor Ariza started this game with Malik Bunk. There was no Avery Bradley. Stanley Johnson was out of the starting lineup. It was the big three, and this time it was Ariza and um, Malik Monk. And um, you know there were some questions about that. Why isn't it Stanley? You know nobody was saying why isn't it Avery Bradley. But you know more no, a Avery. lot of questions about why Frank Vogel can't settle on a starting lineup. And it was matchup-based. They were thinking about who's going to guard Giannis in the second unit. They wanted Stanley Johnson available for that. Um, and and a bunch of different things. And it made sense when Vogel explained it. The part that I think people in their frustration who follow the team need to understand is that these decisions, while I'm not saying they're unimportant and they matter, um, these are not the 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 choices and the the circumstances that are that are that have the Lakers three games under five hundred. The difference between starting Trevor Ariza and starting um, uh, Tre- uh, Stanley Johnson in terms of lineup optimization, um, or even starting Avery Bradley versus Malik Monk and Monk comes off the bench versus start all these other things. The the differences in this stuff in 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 terms of how it actually would impact their win and win you know win loss record is pretty minimal, and there is no fix in lineup optimization. Their fix is their guys need to either you know play better than we can expect than we than we would expect them to in certain skill sets defensively and all that stuff. And Russell Westbrook needs to be much better. Like that's kind of the fix their best players need to be better it's well, not and also, Trevor Ariza versus Stanley Johnson sure that that's holding this team back I just say you think well, it's an important distinction to make sure I mean you know they need also guys available game to game every single game what are you doing there's a bug in here <laughs> stay, stay focused stay stay on point it flew into my um, nose uh, well <laughs> Um, my ample, ample nose. I, I, it's important. It's important. <laughs> a lot of real estate in there. <laughs> One of the only places in LA where housing is available. <laughs> Cheap. 
Um, you know, it's I think it's important Three to remember bedroom. too, like you know, the some of the some of the problems have been dictated in part because of guys in and out of the lineup, but also if this was something that Vogel was just farting around with and it was pretty <laughs> obvious what he ought to farting be doing, around. you would hear guys start subtly or even not subtly making it clear they would like the coach to make up his damn mind. And yep. that's not what's happening. So, and you know, guys like LeBron, Anthony Davis, they're not going to be afraid, you know, mellow. They're not going to be afraid to put that out there. If they really feel like the coach is just overthinking this and the obvious solution is standing there in front of them and they don't get it. That's right. not particularly as right you now. pointed out for Tuesday's show for a guy who probably isn't going to be here next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. What are you worried about hurting his feelings? Right. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about this rumor. Uh so tonight's you know, Tuesday night's game, I think really put into context some of the 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 dilemma that the Lakers have. They are obviously not good enough. They obviously need an infusion of talent. Um, that is self-evident, but how they get it, where they get it, um, what's available for them in the in in the market as Taylor Horton Tucker's value goes down a little bit and um you know the market starts to play out this from mark stein it should be clear by now the lakers don't have the trade assets to acquire a definite difference maker or offload russell westbrook to houston without surrendering their precious 2027 first round pick the lakers thus might be forced in fact to wait for the buyout market to manufacture a badly needed talent infusion yet they continue to be linked on the trade front as time runs out with the likes of Boston's Josh Richardson and Orlando's Terrence Ross. Andy, you had a brilliant tweet I thought, uh, during Tuesday's game where you noted that perhaps uh, at the risk of being a prisoner of the moment, the Lakers are not one Terrence Ross away from contention. <laughs> Look, um, first of all, for other witticisms like that, make sure to follow us at Cam Brothers on Twitter. Unless you are convinced that THT's trade value is going to plummet you know, for the rest of this season and the rest of next season, and if he has a player option the following year, because he would naturally exercise it at that point, the idea that you would cash him in, you know, beyond just the context of this is the guy that you chose and prioritized over Alex Caruso, who before breaking his wrist because the villainous Grayson Allen, who is basically bizarro Austin Reeves, you know, yes. undercut him and broke his wrist. If like, Ted Cruz played basketball, yeah, yeah, or the or the Zodiac. Even, I mean, let's just say it's not it's not Grayson Allen's fault that he looks like Ted Cruz, but no, it's but, fitting. No, but you know, here's the thing too: Grayson Allen ought to recognize. I mean, he's lived with his face his whole life. <laughs> he ought to recognize what it looks like by now. He ought to recognize how that face plays, and he ought to recognize the need to make adjustments because of said face. Yeah, anyway, I agree. Um, you know, with all of that backstory with THT and mm-hmm. all of you know the importance that they put on retaining him in terms of what he meant for the present and the future and the role that they had earmarked for him and you know the belief that they ostensibly had in him to trade him for he had been linked to in Mark Stein's piece Terrence Ross with, with the Orlando Magic is you know he's a volume scorer and you know he's a fine scorer in the league doesn't really do much else of anything he's i believe 31 years old and 
Now he's a fine player, but he has never made any team. That he's, he's not a been fine on. player, Andy. He's a fine. He's fine. He's fine. Right. a fine player. Right. The idea that you would move a 21 year old that you earmarked as this important to the organization for a 31 year old guy when you are struggling to stay as a nine seed. That's just absolutely insane. I mean, that that would be just a team so desperate to not want to look like they made a mistake by missing the playoffs that they would throw good money after bad when, here's the thing, everybody by now thinks you made a mistake. Whether you ma- Unless you win a championship somehow, whether you make the playoffs as an eight seed, as a play-in, or you miss it all together, Everybody is going to think this moment was this decision where we are now was driven by mistakes. You don't compound that by making desperate moves to cover your ass. You just okay. So let me when we let's take same with like Josh Richardson with the Celtics. Josh Richardson, same thing. Perfectly fine player. I wouldn't object to having him on the team, but what it means to actually go out and acquire him. So with that in mind, I completely agree with you. I will ask you this question when we uh, after the break. Do you think the Lakers will throw good money after bad? That's the question. We'll do it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar. Okay, this is the time of year where February, you've pretty much given up on all your New Year's resolutions. But this year, you can stick to the one about eating right thanks to Built Bar. And it doesn't even feel like a New Year's resolution because you're enjoying yourself in the process. Have you tried the new Puffs? If you have not, you are missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're like a marshmallow. They're not a protein bar. They're a treat. And they are covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are fan favorites with incredible flavors like coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, cinnamony churro. These are all going to be your new favorites. And go to built.com, scroll down the macros chart. You're going to be blown away by what this is that you're putting in your body. Most built bars contain just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, but 17 grams of protein. And that's the good stuff. Compare that to a candy bar, usually like 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar. Like that is not what you want to be ingesting. Great flavors like coconut almond, mint brownie, and for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all awesome. Great, unique flavor combinations. So go to built.com, use the promo code lock 15, get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code lock 15, 15% off at built.com. Um, so before we get to Russ, some provocative comments, Andy made after the game by Russell Westbrook, I'll ask you that question. Do you think with the trade deadline now, you know, basically, you know, 24 hours away noon on Thursday, Pacific time, do you think the Lakers actually will make this sort of what I would consider to be a panic move, uh, trading for trading any of their you know semi-valuable assets in THT that first round any of their THTs (laughs) whatever they got (laughs) for for or the the pick Terrence Ross slash Josh Josh Richardson caliber player do you think they'll do that I'd like to think they wouldn't I mean I would I would never put it past them just because this season has been such a disaster and I have concerns that they would worry so much about the noise of missing the playoffs that they would do an exceptionally short-sighted move like this. I'd like to think they wouldn't, and I guess if I had to bet right now, I'm betting they won't, um, not confidently, but just it, it's 
It's so ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's so ridiculous. Why would you do this? Almost Why? as ridiculous, Andy, as trading for Russell Westbrook. Um, we'll see. We'll have a little more insight. You know, I he, think if they, they calm people down by me. winning, if they win against Portland on Wednesday, that calms things down a little bit, I guess, maybe going into Thursday. But I don't know. I mean, the flip side is if they lose against Portland, like, I mean, wh- what are you preserving? What are you salvaging? I, I don't know, and it's, it ain't as you said. It's not what's their problem is not anything that Terrence Ross is going to be able to fix. Um, so we'll see. Uh, let's move on to Russell Westbrook, um, who you know was not in a bad mood uh, after, after the game on Tuesday. He met the media. Uh, he was cordial, um, but made it very clear that he is not on the same page as the coaching staff. He was asked about the frequent lineup changes, not even him being in and out of it, just the frequent lineup changes. You never know when you're coming in, he said. You never know when you're going coming out. You never know when you're playing. You never know a bunch of things. And I'm speaking for me personally, so it's a difficult process for me to be able to figure out and create some rhythm and some consistency where we can actually see what we're able to do as a team. But those decisions are made by him, meaning Frank Vogel, and his coaching staff. And you've got to live with them and move on. Um, you know, he talked about not being out on the floor late in the game again today, uh, Tuesday night. Um, this was, a, I thought, a, a particularly pointed moment. The question, just because I don't want your words to get misinterpreted or twisted, I want to be clear about this. Has Frank been clear enough with you about when you're not going to play? No, he hasn't, but I don't need him to be clear. He makes whatever decision he makes, so that's up to him. My job as a professional is to come to work, be in a positive mindset, put my head down and do my work to the best of my ability, and be there to encourage my teammates. Do you have a sense of what benchmarks you have to hit to be in the closing lineup more consistently? Who? Me? I don't have an answer for you, brother. I wish I did. I shouldn't have to hit any benchmark, to be honest. I put a lot of work in. I've got a lot of respect in this game. I don't have to hit a benchmark or shouldn't have to. I earn the right to be in closing lineups. Anytime you get a guy, Andy, who punctuates a question uh, to the media with brother, (laughs) you are (laughs) thinking and entering dark territory. Brother. Um, Because I don't think Russell Westbrook looks at that member of the media as a genuine brother. If memory serves, okay, he he didn't go brother, but Trez last season did a lot of bro. Didn't he do a lot of like bro and bro? I think so, yeah. yeah. And Trez was often very unhappy with how last year's season went. So I I think he may be on to something. But, you know, this, Um, this this is definitely evidence that, you know, He's trying to put on a you know a, a good face and whatever, but th- it is not going well inside that relationship. No, and, and for what it's worth, uh, in the closing moments of the game, uh, you know Russ, who was not out there before, basically the, the the flag was waved. You know LeBron and AD were on the bench, and Russ went out of his way to you know basically tell him keep your head up, try to encourage him, and you know that is something that you want to see from all three of these guys towards each other. And LeBron said after the game that, you know, it's his job to keep AD and Russ's spirits up, Russ's job to keep his and AD's up, AD, LeBron, and Russ's, and down the line. And they're all there to help each other. And, you know, LeBron even said that he has, they have clearly not done a good enough job helping Russ in all these circumstances. You know, one of the things that I think is really interesting, to be totally honest, about the whole Russell Westbrook not closing games thing, it is obviously a thing 
in the sense that he's Russell Westbrook. He's a player of that stature. So anything involving him has significance. And you have certain concerns about the mood in the locker room. Um, although, as Frank Vogel said after the game, there's not a good energy with this team of late anyway. But if we're really being honest about this, beyond sort of the headline-grabbing, gossipy nature of it, this team is not playing well enough that who closes really is that big of a thing. Like, I mean, I'm just saying in terms of like practical effect and like grand scheme of things, who's out there closing for a team that's struggling to stay 500 on some level who effing cares? You know what I mean? Like, and, no, I, no, I get like, there's saying. an element I mean, of like, right. it, and it should also be made clear. Russ is not complaining about this unprompted. He's being asked. Which, which you can, you can have all of your own opinions about Russ's opinion on whether or not he should be out there, and the idea that he's earned the right to be out there, sort of carte blanche. Um, you know, I I don't know if I, I I know I don't agree with that, but that element of it aside, in some respects, this is more of just like a talking point than a matter of circumstance. I think. I I I get what you're I get what you mean, and it's it's a it's it's definitely worth pointing out that like it, it to me it's just a symbol like what you're getting at here is like it's a symbol of just how bad this team is relative to expectations and relative to what they're supposed to be. Um, that you know what we're talking about here rel is relatively inconsequential in term in the grand scheme of things. I do think that you know how Westbrook plays because of what I was talking about earlier. It's just like this This team is ultimately geared towards a bunch of imperfect players that you hope can kind of get the job done, and they're three stars being so good. This is the this is the the the, the template going into the season that you know they're just gonna have so much goddamn talent that it it's gonna it, it's gonna figure it itself out and they'll just be too good not to win. And you know, to some degree, I certainly bought into that, and you know, guys being healthy and whatever, that the I picked the Lakers to win the conference. So um, you know. I didn't think it was going to be this bad, but when you see Westbrook sort of openly criticizing the coaching staff, which is what he was doing. I mean, like when he talks about the lineups and the inconsistency of the lineups, not even some of like the closing lineups, the communication, whatever, that first question where he says, you know, nobody knows when they're playing. You don't know when you're coming in. You don't know when you're coming out. You never know a bunch of things. That's, that is a very pointed criticism of the coaching staff. And, mm -hmm. You know, and if, again, if this doesn't improve over the next five or 10 games when they have access to the big three and all this other stuff, the last 15 games of the season could be really ugly. And the problem here is, and this was the other part of the trade rumor stuff that came out today, one of the reasons the Lakers may not um, need, may not be able to trade their first round pick is it, it, they can't trade 2027. Uh, and something later. They they can only trade 2027 right now if they want to make a deal. If they wait until after July 1st, they can also trade 2029 or both. And I believe it was Stein who pointed out that they might need both of those first round picks to get off the Westbrook contract this summer. Again, these are very dark places. Like they have another season of this. And so, yes. I don't think Frank Vogel is going to be the coach next year, so maybe a different coach handles it differently. But there's also no reason to believe that Russell Westbrook's going to be a better player next year than he is this year, um, no. you know, a year older. And so, um, 
if it is dissolving to this point now, it is a very distressing place for the Lakers to be because there's no easy way to to be different next year. Um, and so, yeah, that's all I have to say about that for tonight at least. Yeah. It, it's just the, they're in a bad place and they very clearly don't know how to get themselves out of it. And they're like in a bad I've place many- now, as Vogel acknowledged, and they're in a bad place going forward. Yeah, and as I've acknowledged that they are all hyper-aware and have been for a while of how much the the lack of continuity and just the general chaos has put them in a place. You know, LeBron talked about that. Most teams struggle if they don't have their best players. Even great teams, they largely struggle if they go a long extended period without their best players. What is really uh, concerning is the last few games they've had their best players, and it's not really looking much better. So we'll see. Um, all right. So we'll see what happens Wednesday night against Portland. That is a must-win game. You know, the, again, more important than the, Mo- the Milwaukee game, not for the ego, but for the actual stuff that's happening uh, in the standings. They're ex- they were supposed to lose to Milwaukee, but they need to beat Portland. Uh, who knows even who is going to be playing for Portland, given how active they've been in the trade market? I'm not sure who's eligible to pass physicals and all that. So we'll so see. Got to win Wednesday night. Will get canceled. Great. <laughs> I think the Lakers <laughs> would take a forfeit. Sold. Um, all right. Uh, Locked on Lakers. Thank you for making your first listen of every day. Subscribe to Locked on Lakers on YouTube. We'll see everybody on Thursday.